glad to have everybody here this morning. It's going to be a good uh, day. Got a little bit left here. And uh, so, Father, right now we just praise you and we give you the glory. Lord, this service is yours. Father, these lives, they're yours. And we just praise you for it. We thank you. Right now, Lord, we just open up our hearts. Let our hearts be fertile soil so that the seed of the word can be planted in us and produce not just a harvest, but an eternal harvest, an eternal harvest of your love made manifest through your word. And we just praise you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to jump into uh, proof uh, part two in just a second. But before we do, every week we pray for a different body of Christ. Uh, we say it all the time. Uh, we are not the best body, but we are a part of the best body. Uh, but we have other parts that aren't here at Boomerang. And so each week we try to pray for a different church, a different part of the body. And today it's, it is the church, but it's not necessarily a church building. I want us to pray for the Stanley Baptist Association. And the guy that kind of oversees that in this, in this area is Hal Bilbo and his wife Karen. And so he's kind of like a pastor to pastors. Uh, will you join with me and anybody that's watching, will you join with us? And let's lift up Hal and Karen and the Stanley Baptist Association. And so, Father, right now, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your will is being done in this area. Lord, that you are pouring your life into people like Hal and, and like his wife, Karen. Lord, we thank you that you are blessing them. And why are you blessing them? so that your life can pour out into an area and things can change to become more and more like heaven here on earth. Father, we just praise you for that. We just plead the blood of Jesus over all the churches in this area, over Hal and over his wife, over all of their leadership. Lord, let no weapon formed against them prosper, but let everything move to the manifestation of your love in their lives, in their wisdom, in their anointings, Lord. Let your life be poured out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for, thank you for agreeing with me. That's awesome. So let's turn real quick to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And we started last week in the series called Proof. And kind of the intro going into that is, have you ever just wanted to kind of prove to people that Jesus really is who he says he is? And have you ever, I get asked that question, like, how can you prove God? You know, how can I prove to people? And have you ever, have you ever just wanted change in your life? I mean, you know, I'd like for things to be different than what they are. I know, I know that probably qualifies nobody in here, right? Because all your lives are going awesome, and, and I'm really glad you are, but I need change sometimes, right? And what you'll find is that these two questions actually go together. Uh, we're going to talk some more on proof. Last week we just talked about it in these verses, and we'll read them here. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, in the King James, it says, brothers, I'm begging you, do what I'm about to say. Do what I'm about to ask you. And then it says at the end, this is your reasonable service. 
In other words, what he's saying is, if Christ came down and he gave his whole life for you, that you may live, then it's just reasonable for you to present your life for him. Now, the great news is, you don't have to die, right? Y'all with me this morning? Just one. Okay, all right. You don't have to die. I'm like, that's good news because I don't want to die, you know. But, but we do need to crucify our flesh, which is a living and holy sacrifice that daily we're saying, look, I'm not choosing what my flesh would choose. I'm choosing, Lord, to follow whatever you lead me to do. And whatever you lead me to do, that's what's going to happen. That's how it's going to be. And so here's, he's saying, look, but don't just present. This is a huge point. Don't present to God what you think is good. It says, present to God a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. In other words, present your bodies, present your decisions, present your actions in such a way that God says, that's good. That's good. And here's why that's important. Because we can stand up here and go, oh, man, you know, I think I, think I should do this. And God's going, no, no, that, that's not even close to what I want you to do. That's not even beginning. And so a lot of times what we need to do is step back and say, Lord, what do you consider right? What do you consider holy? What do you consider acceptable? So what he's saying here is, is not just go do what you think. It's go do what God wants. There's a big difference. I think we have, honestly, in America, we've got a whole bunch of people doing what we think God wants us to do. But the truth is we're not actually doing a lot of what God wants us to do. And because of that, we don't get the proof to the world. Because the next verse says this. And do not be conformed to this world. That means molded, all right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, become a totally new creation, to become a totally new person that does things totally different because you renew your mind by the washing of the water of the word. In other words, we learn the character and nature of God. Lord, what is acceptable? We do those things. We renew our mind, not just so that we uh, start to think a little bit like that. No, it becomes us. It becomes who we are. Now, all of a sudden, you know, when you, you can get to the point, I know it, at times in my life it did not feel this way. I, I definitely had some places. But we can get to the point where you're presented with a circumstance and you literally start thinking the way God thinks about it. There was a period of time in my life I thought, that's never going to happen. But now I'm starting to see, hey, I am thinking more like God. Now, do I still have room to improve? Yes. Do you? Almost assuredly you do in almost every area. But don't let that be a discouragement. Let that be excitement that says, man, things can get better. You know, and praise God. I, I all of a sudden, I don't have a ceiling called the world that's holding me back. I have an unlimited father that wants to take the ceiling off my life and move me into great and mighty things. That's God. So he says, be transformed. And how do we do that? 
by renewing our mind. In other words, learning who God really is and what he really wants and then doing that. You see, if you're renewing your mind, today is talking about the key of demonstration. All right? If you're renewing your mind, uh, Abigail, will you come up here for a second? So let's say that she is learning, learning to uh, be God. And let's say, this is my daughter Abigail, say hey. Hey. <laughs> Good. All right. So let's say that godliness is going that direction. And so when she first starts renewing her mind, before she ever gets born again, right, all of a sudden she was going this direction, not God, all right? Don't ever go that direction, okay? Good girl. All right, so that, and then all of a sudden she starts to know God, and she starts turning, and all of a sudden it's not 100% anti-God anymore. She's renewing her mind. She's renewing her mind. She's looking, and the things that she's seeing, she starts to recognize is the direction of God. And, and she's going, and eventually, as she renews her mind, she's much more focused on the direction of God than she is on the direction that's not God, right? Now, is that not awesome? Right. Is she done? Why? Because it's not enough just to get pointed in the direction of God. You've got to actually be a doer and go that way. So when you're renewing your mind, at some point, there's got to be an action on the renewal that actually takes you and motivates you to go in the direction of God. Keep going. Why are you stopping? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, had to pick on you while you were up here. So thank you. So at some point, we have to actually do that. We can't just talk about it. We can't just come in here and go, amen. Praise God. Good preaching, preacher. That's not enough. At some point, we actually got to take a step out and do the things that God's told us to do. And what happens? So in other words, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the renewing of your mind is not simply learning facts and figures and trivia about God. It's actually allowing the revelations of God to change who I am so that my actions and my thoughts start to change and motivate me to do something. And when we do that, it says so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, when we start taking a step in a godly direction, all of the sudden our life starts to be proof to ourselves and the people around us that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. You know why? Because when we renew our mind and actually do the will of God and we step out into those things, we're going to find that God's love starts to become a reality in our lives. It starts to manifest in our lives so much so because there's no choice. When you're obedient to give yourself as a living sacrifice to God, there's no choice. Heaven and earth must make give testimony of the choices that you've made. 
And so all of a sudden, heaven and earth are moving based on your decisions, your choices, and it's going to testify about what? Man, God's good. All of a sudden, his goodness is going to manifest in your life, and not only will you be able to see it, but the people in your life will be able to see it, and they'll look at your life and go, man, look at that. God's doing that, and it looks awesome. And all of a sudden, in that person, in their mind and in their spirit, this is what happens. They go, man, God's will that's happening is good. God's will is perfect. God's will is acceptable. All of a sudden, the people around you and you yourself are starting to grow even more in this and saying, man, if God asked me to do something, it's worthy of accepting. And all of a sudden, where the flesh was trying to rise up and, and fight against you doing God's will, all of a sudden, the, what becomes more powerful than that is the power of the proof of God's will being acceptable and saying, even if the flesh says, but I don't like that, that's not going to be fun to my flesh, all of a sudden, your acceptance of God's will because it's been proved out because you've renewed your mind and been a doer of it, that becomes bigger than the, than the flesh's arguments, and all of a sudden, your decisions start to line up and become easier and easier. Anybody ever experienced that? Where all of a sudden, you start moving in God, and, and your experience in God helps you and motivates you to tell the flesh, shut up, flesh, and put it down. That's what happens when we actually give ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, I think that most all of us, if we're born again, pretty much everybody at some point has made a decision like that. Stop looking at the world, look at God, and maybe take a step out into it, at least on a small level, right? I think most everybody's done that. The problem has been that we stop looking at the world and we start looking at God and we take one small step and then we celebrate. Yeah! I mean, we're doing the touchdown dance. I mean, we're like, oh, do you see me? Yeah, right? And we're like, look, super Christian. And it's like, no, that's just the beginning. Don't, don't cover your face. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> so here's the thing. We get so excited because we did one thing and then it's like, look at us. Look at us. And then when we face the next thing and we don't want to put down the flesh, we go, we go, mm, I don't really want to do that. <gasps> Look at what I did last year. It's awesome. Well, you know, like that. I did that again just for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's already going to be online. You'll see it. <laughs> So, here's the thing. We want to celebrate what we did good, the choice we made before. And we've got a whole society of Christians and churchgoers that are celebrating yeah. Yeah. what they did in the past. Yet here they become, in today, they become so stale. And every time uh, the, the Holy Spirit challenges their staleness, they point back to the past at how great it was. And they continue to be stale. And then the world's going, where's the power of God? Where's the power? And they're going, well, look at the past. And the, and the world's going, 
I need it right now. I don't need the past. I got a problem. I need it broken. I need the problem to go away. I need the power of God. So I ask this question. If we as Christians have the key, the key being Jesus, if we, do we have the key? Do we? All right, if that really is true, how many problems are we truly unlocking in people's lives and our own? That silence is for effect. <laughs> is that not an interesting question? If that really is true, why does the world have the problems? And how many have, have you seen just the power of God come down into somebody's life and completely kill that problem? But we have the key, right? Then why haven't we unlocked it? But we have the key, right? Then why are the people around us sick? But we have the key, right? Then why are they in lack? But we have the key, right? Then why are they bound up? And, and you know, here's what we do. We get comfortable in this. Well, just keep coming to church. And, and coming to church is huge. That's a huge, strong thing. But we get comfortable in the fact that every now and then, if we can put up with five problems, if every now and then we see one of them go away. But we have the key, Right? right? Yep. Then where's the proof? Challenging question. See, and this is what the world is saying to us. The, the world is saying, you're telling me about Jesus, but my problems aren't going away. Oh, yeah, you need to know my Jesus. You need to know my Jesus. And then, but the, then the world's going, that's great, I need to know your Jesus. So what's he going to do for me? Where's he at? I need to know your Jesus. But you just don't understand if you just knew him. They don't care about what you know. And so the world's going, where's the proof? You see, and this is the trap that we've gotten. We were talking on Wednesday about humility and grace. And see, humility understands if you can imagine a key um, you know, I, of course, not everybody's going to be able to see this, but if you can imagine a key, and that key has different ridges and notches in it, right? And in order to unlock a problem, you, you've got to have the right combination of ridges and notches. The problem is, the key is Jesus. And we think that if we just tell them about Jesus, it will unlock their problem. How's that working for us? Really not good. If we're honest with ourselves, really not good. You know why? Because the plan wasn't for Jesus himself to be the hands and feet and in the flesh in this time and him to go and insert himself into their life. The plan was for him to be in you, you to take up the shape of Jesus and do the things he did and you be the key empowered by Jesus. But that takes humility that says my notches and, and valleys are not in the right place and it's going to take humility and grace for me to actually renew my mind because how I'm thinking isn't right. 
It's going to take me renewing my mind so that I start to be transformed and actually living out, not just in action, but in, not just in uh, revelation, but in action in people's lives. In other words, what I'm saying is this. It, it lets, uh, Roger, will you come here for a second? If you'll stand right here. No, no, no. Here you go. So let's say that Roger has a problem, right? Let, let's say that um, he, let's just use healing. Let's say that his arm is broke, right? And he says, and I say, you need to, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you need to know my Jesus. You need to know my key. And I come and I tell him about my key and he goes, okay, great. I Like, man, my arm's broke. He says, you need to know my key. You need to know my Jesus. You need to know my key. He goes, that's great. He's like, what does he do? Well, he's the key. He's Jesus. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's awesome. And Roger goes, that's great. What does he do? Why do I need him? Well, because he said it. Well, that's great. What does he do? And see, here's, here's the thing. We want to pray for his arm, but we haven't renewed our mind so that we look like Jesus, and so we never even pray for it most of the time. And then if we do finally get up enough courage to pray for his arm, uh, we don't look like Jesus. We haven't renewed our mind enough, and all of a sudden we're sitting there, and we know when we're praying it's not going to happen. And so where's the proof? See, when we renew our mind and we actually get to the place where we're in action and we are, we are putting these things in action, we have this confidence that this stuff has grown up and all of a sudden what we're bringing to the situation is not ourselves, but we are bringing the key Jesus, but we have renewed our mind and gotten to the place where we have been shaped and transformed to the maturity, the fullness of the stature of Christ, where we're not just calling on the key to do his thing we actually know we are the key through Christ and we're here on his behalf to see that thing healed Amen. and now he goes I know what that key will do I know what Jesus will do I want to accept him Amen. thank you we tell the world we have the key but it doesn't unlock their problems. we got to quit telling them about that and actually get to the place where we trust what God has done in our lives and we trust who he is and his character that we can put into action. We can be the key empowered through Christ and actually have results. We need to humble ourselves to grow through the renewing of the mind so that we may prove that Jesus really is the key. Godly mind renewal always leads to action and demonstration, not just revelation. See, here's the problem. 
A lot of times we see people that will jump from church to church to church. And generally, most preachers and churches, they'll have revelation in a certain area. They'll have a gifting. It's part of their vision. And they'll, they'll have some things that they walk in, some, some you know, major revelations about God generally. And so you'll see somebody, they'll go from church to church to church, and all of a sudden, here's what happens. They feel like they've received everything that person has to offer, and so they move on to the next church. And then they receive all they have. And so what they're doing is they're following after revelation, but they're never actually putting it into action and demonstration. Mind renewal is not just revelation. It, it has to lead towards you actually take steps to look and act like the Son of God. Yeah. That's mind renewal. And when you actually do that, you start being the proof. But the thing is, I can step out here and have no revelation of Christ, and then I try to bring about demonstration. It's not going to happen. we got a world full of people that have heard about stuff like that, but they have no power. And you look in the Word and you see like the seven sons of Sceva where they thought they had some revelation. They tried to step out. You can't have one or the other. You must have both. They tried to step out, and the, the devil that was uh, dealing with that guy, he was like, uh, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, who are you? And he found out real, they found out real quickly, well, I had action, but I had no revelation backing it. We've got to have mind renewal so that we are actually operating in both. The vast majority, though, is not actually stepping out in action and demonstration. They're just constantly trying to get revelation. It's like, feed us, pastor. Feed us, feed us, feed us. And the truth of the matter is, we are over-eating uh, over, uh, people on the Word of God without ever actually putting any of that food and fuel into action and demonstration. Yeah. Here's the problem with that. That's the same sin that Adam and Eve committed. Why? Because they just wanted to get more and more knowledge of good and evil. And we're sitting here in the pews doing the exact same thing. Give us knowledge, give us knowledge, give us knowledge without ever actually taking a step. I want to look like God. I want to know what he knows but I don't want to do godly things. We talked about last week, Matthew 11, 2 through 6. He said, John the Baptist sent his disciples and said, Are you the Christ? And what was the answer that he gave them? He's like, You go tell them what you've seen. The deaf hear, the blind see, the dead are raised to life. In other words, he moved in Revelation. He grew up in Luke 2, I think it's 52. It says that Jesus continued growing in uh, wisdom and knowledge and favor with man and God. In other words, Jesus did what he needed to do to look and know about the direction of God. But eventually he stepped out there and he started doing it. And it wasn't just, he wasn't just empowered because he was the Son of God. He wasn't just empowered because he was a preacher. He was empowered because he trusted God and believed God the same way that every Christian's supposed to do. In other words, it's not just a preacher that needs to be praying over somebody. It's not just a preacher that needs to wield the key of Jesus. It's every believer that needs to unlock 
the problems in people's lives. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, he said, he said, look, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. You know, Paul, he wrote about half the New Testament. Obviously, the man knew some stuff. I mean, the Holy Spirit was like, give him the revelation. I mean, it's like he, he knew some stuff. He had some wisdom, did he not? Yeah. I mean, we're still uncovering wisdom that's been wrapped up in this for how many years now? You know, close to 2,000 years. And yet, he says this. I'm not coming here trying to be a slick speaker. It's not what I'm doing. He says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. I demonstrated the Holy Spirit and of power. In other words, it's not enough just for me to turn around and see the direction of God and then tell everybody about the direction of God and the revelation of who He is and what He is without me stepping out here and actually proving the power. Without me stepping out here and, and doing the things that God's asked us to do. We should grow in the knowledge of the Lord, but we don't need to rely on our ability to debate or our overwhelming revelation. We don't rely on that. We need to carry the key that unlocks the problems around us in our own lives and the people that we come in contact with. You think about it. Just, you know, here's uh, Paul walking down the street, and it says, and the people that were in his shadow. In other words, the people that were close to him were just getting healed when his shadow passed by. In other words, just his presence. He was walking in such a power that was demonstrated that his glory, when he passed by, the glory that God had given to Peter was so heavy, so thick, so strong because he had given himself to be have his mind renewed and he was actually out doing what God had asked him to do. The glory that God had given to Peter the, that was reflected from Christ, he walks by people and it's like they get healed. He never even touched them. He never spoke to them. They just start popping off healed. Bam, 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 bam. All of a sudden his glory is like that. That's amazing. How many people do you think on that street understood that when he stood up and said, Jesus is the key, that they went, I believe it. See, we've gotten so far away from that. We think this is what it's all about. No, this is about this. Here, stand up in Christ. Stand up in Christ. Stand up in Christ. Stand up in Christ. That's what this is about. Learning so that we can, hey, stand up to the fullness of the nature of the Son of God. Realizing that you are the key. You're the key. You can't do it by yourself, but through Jesus. All of us, we're, this whole ministry, not just ours, but everyone out there, is designed for you to see that I carry the key with me, and where I go, he goes, and all of a sudden, his glory is released, and it proves how much people need Jesus. Thank you. Luke six forty six through 49 says this, Jesus 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you who he is like. In other words, the person who comes, hears me, sees where God is heading, sees the character and nature of God, and then does that. Then does that. This is what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent, the waves, burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. What was it well built on? They were doers of the word. They were doers of the revelation. They carried the key of Jesus, and they didn't just tell people about the key. They actually moved in so much power because they've renewed their mind. They unlocked through Jesus Christ. They unlocked the problems. See, it's a cop-out for Christians to constantly back up and say, Jesus will take care of that. And then smile at them. Like we've done something. Didn't Jesus say, look, if somebody's thirsty, you need to give them a drink of water? In, in other words, meet the need. Unlock the problem. Be the key yourself. But here's the thing. That doesn't happen unless you're willing to make yourself a living sacrifice. But see, most of the time, we're not even willing to rearrange our schedule. Much less be a sacrifice. We're not willing to take the time and spend with the Lord. Yes. So We're not willing to get into this word. We're willing to come here on Sunday morning and basically check a box and say, hey, I went to church. I feel good about myself. And that's a great thing. And if you're not doing that, that's an awesome starting point. But at some point in your process of turning around, the Holy Spirit's going to say, Pray with somebody. Get yourself disciplined where you actually understand spiritual things. Learn how to crack the shell open on the hearts of people so that you can sow the seed of the word, the seed of life, sow Jesus into them. Learn how to break open the, the walls that they have around their heart and actually share Jesus. Learn how to take command of spiritual situations and take your authority and show the key unlocking that spiritual uh, issue in their life. Actually do it. And that's not just for the pastor. That's every believer. This is why Jesus can say, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Why? Because they look more and more like the key and actually put him into action as they continue to grow and renew their mind. You can't sit here and never do anything to advance the kingdom of God and tell me that you're a living sacrifice. You can't do that. It doesn't work. It's an oxymoron. It's, not, it, it's opposite. It's, it, it's not possible. Yeah. At some point, you've got to reach out, invite people to church. At some point, you've got to reach out and say, can I pray with you? 
At some point, you've got to learn how to lead people to Christ. The, the Word tells us this, that you've got to be ready to give an account for the hope that is within you. All of a sudden, you've got to start looking like the key so much that people go, why are you so hopeful? And they ask, and they're seeking, why do you have the hope that you have? And then you know what to do with that person. You know how to lead them to Jesus. Proof is not just growing in your mind alone. It's going to the fullest degree of mind renewal that says, I recognize and I realize it's not just growing in facts and trivia, but it's becoming a doer of the word. And not just the preacher, not just the pastor, every believer, everyone that takes that step out of their comfort zone that goes, I don't want to talk to that person. That guy looks rough. And if I go talk to him about Jesus, he's going to think I'm a sissy. And he might just punch me in the face for being a sissy. And you got to say, Jesus is with me. That's the Holy Spirit telling me to do it. Step out. Maybe, maybe you tell them this one thing. I, I recently heard a story about a guy that looked just like that. Somebody told him to do something. And uh, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm blending two stories, but there was like a biker type guy and they went up and the guy broke down. Yep. I heard another, they were sitting in, um, there was a service and I can't tell you all the details because you'll just, you'll think it's weird, but I'll just put it like this. There was two guys sitting in a service and God told one guy to do something and it is not something that looks normal in society. <laughs> And so he told me, he was like, mm, I don't want to do that, Lord. I do not want to do that. Mm-mm, no. Eventually, the Holy Spirit went out, and he stepped out to be a doer of what God told him to do. And when he do, did that, the guy that was standing beside him that he was uh, ministering to, he went, boom, bam. The power of God hit him, and he fell out in the Holy Spirit. Very simple act, but it was just weird. It was just strange. And here's the thing. We've got to get to the place. See, see, if I ask you to do that, how many people would be sitting here going, Mm-mm, I don't want to do that. If I ask you to do something weird, and not just me, the Holy Spirit asks you. Yep. You've got hang-ups there. We've got hang-ups. We've got to get to the place where the Holy Spirit can actually do what he wants to do through us, which means we've got to humble this flesh to the point where we're not just hearers, we're doers. And all of a sudden, people see the actions of the key. They see the actions and the nature and the character of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they go, that's the proof I was looking for. That's what I needed to see. It doesn't just need to be the guy standing up here. It needs to be all of you. We all need to grow and renew our mind so that we are all carrying a glory of God with us. I mean, this place in the spirit at the very least, in the spirit, this place ought to glow with the love and the character and the nature of God, with the power of God. I mean, we ought to be all walking in it so much that if one day I walk in and I'm not walking in it, y'all lift me up because you're there. You know, If I'm not feeling they still get healed. Somebody new comes in, they still get healed before they walk out the door because it's on you. That's the call to Christians. That's the level that's normal to God. We've just accepted a lower level. It's, it's not okay anymore. 
Times changed. It never was okay, but it's one where we've got to say in our hearts, it's a new day in me, Lord. I'm accepting I'm doing what you called me to do. I won't be, I'm tired of the storms coming and blowing down my house. I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to call you Lord, and then I'm going to actually let you be him in my life. I'm going to put down things that have held me back before in the flesh. And I'm going to let God be who he wants to be. Let's just stand. I'm just going to minister to a couple of you. I just feel the Lord moving on you. I know that's connecting to stuff that's on the inside of you. I know there's a draw inside that's going, Lord, I've been wanting that. I don't even know that I'm ready. I might even be scared of that stuff. I might even be scared of going that. But I know it's connecting to something he put in you a long, long time ago. And so, Lord, right now, I just ask you, Lord, I ask that you ignite that in Paul today. Lord, ignite that. Lord, I know he wants a reality, not just a fakeness. He doesn't want a hypocritical, he doesn't want to live a hypocritical Christian life. He wants to go beyond what he's seen before. He wants to go into the realities that you've opened up in his spirit. Lord, I just ask right now that that would be activated in him, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It's time. It's time for us to make those moves. Right now, if it's just if you're going, Lord, it I want to be like that. And just just raise your hand, just say, Lord, I want to be like that. It's just me. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want you to just let your hand being raised be a sign to you and to God that I want to be that way. I don't, I'm tired of stuff holding me back. I'm tired of the world making fun of Christians when I know on the inside that there's more to Christ. Lord, help me renew my mind and be the proof of Jesus in this world. Help my life turn to the proof that you told us was out there. Help me be that person that's able to put down the flesh and be who you've called us to be. I know that this message today, it's drawing something deep within you. I can, I can feel it. I can sense it. I know. Now the question is, will you allow yourself to respond to that and change your habits and change your ways of doing things so that God can turn you into the actions of a supernatural power of God, of a demonstration? Or will it come tomorrow when he asks you to do something, you put the clamps on it and now the condemnation comes in? Let it go. Let it go. And if you found yourself in that condemnation before, you faced that moment before like this, and all of a sudden you, you said no at that time, let the condemnation in Jesus' name fall off of you right now to be who God's called you to be. 
There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Lord, say, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for not living up to what you've called me to be. And I receive that forgiveness right now. I won't be like it again. I repent. I turn around. It says those that will repent, God is faithful and just. Those that repent and they confess, God is so faithful and just to forgive us. And the context is to completely change everything. Turn it around and give us an enlightened, empowered move towards God. To give us a boldness to do the things that he's called us to do. To be proof to the world that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Lord, I ask right now that you would just empower people. I feel like I'm just supposed to lay my hands on some folks. And if that's you, if you're going, I, I want more of what he's talking about. I want it activated in me. I want it empowered in me. I, and it's probably not going to be everybody. But if you feel like that, you get up here right now. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just we can play some music or something. Play that walls music. Lord, I just, Lord, let, let these prayers and, and let these hands laid on be the empowering force that imparts and activates inside of them. So that this thing is sealed inside of them in Jesus' name. Let your fire burn. Let it rise up and burn in Jesus' name in every way. Let it rise up and burn inside of them. The refining fire of God, renewing and transforming in every way. Lord, we thank you for your glory. Let your impartation be in Jesus' name. Let your power move in them. Let their light shine. Let them produce the key of Christ in every manifestation in every demonstration let the key of Christ move in them Lord let it unlock uh, people's problems let them set the captive free let the dead be raised let the blind see let the deaf hear in Jesus name thank you Father for unloosing unlocking and being the key in our lives today today from this day forward things will be different in Jesus name things will be different in Jesus name we thank you Father for it and we praise you Lord, we just give you the glory. We give you the glory that we are the proof that this world needs at this time through Jesus Christ. We receive that commissioning to be a believer. And we praise you for it, Father. We thank you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go. And do what he's called you to do in the name of Jesus. Have a great day.